The scripture reading for today is taken from the Gospel according to Matthew, and we'll be reading from Matthew chapter 1, the verses 18 to 25. Matthew chapter 1, the verses 18 to 25. You'll be able to find that on page 1111 of your pew Bible. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary for your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. The word of God. The text for today is Matthew 1, verse 21, where we read, She will bring forth a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you are here today, whether as a member of the congregation or as a visitor, then you are quite likely familiar with the Christmas story. A sign was given. A virgin conceived and gave birth to a son by the miraculous work of God. There were shepherds watching their flocks by night. There were angels who appeared filling the sky with light and songs of praise. There were magi, wise men from the east, who came bringing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It fills us with warmth and joy as we gather together to celebrate this holiday, and we think about these various things taking place. But as we do so, we also need to remind ourselves, is this all that we see it as? No more than a beautiful story? We do have the tendency to romanticize it a little bit in our minds. Is it just something to make us feel warm and fuzzy in the cold winter months? Do we see the gritty reality of the situation? Sleeping in a stable was probably not the most comfortable. But even beyond that, think about the, the, the days leading up to the birth of Jesus. The difficulties that Mary would have faced in her society at being pregnant without yet being married. The questions that we see coming through later in Jesus' life when opponents suggest in a skeptical tone of voice, isn't this Joseph's son? As in, there was something questionable about his parentage, wasn't there? The circumstances surrounding his birth would have caused questions, whispers, and rumors that would plague him all his life long, even though everyone who was involved in it knew 
of the miraculous nature of his birth. And what about fleeing to Egypt in fear for their lives? Joseph and Mary had a hard life in those early days. But more importantly, as we consider this season, do we keep in mind the very reason that Christ came to earth in the first place? To suffer and to die. This comes to mind when considering our text today as well, as we read, He will save His people from their sins. We love this phrase in Scripture, and we confess that the naming of Jesus Christ is a beautiful picture of His work. This, in fact, is the whole point of the good news of the Gospel. This verse is the theme of the entire Gospel of Matthew. It's through the glasses of this verse that we are to read the whole Gospel of Matthew. That Jesus came into the world, God incarnate, in his human nature to be able to pay for sins of man, and in his divine nature to be able to bear the weight of God's anger against sin. This is what the whole Christmas story is about. The birth of our dear Savior, Jesus Christ, is already the first step towards the cross. Today, we'll once again take some time to reflect on the whole reason that Jesus Christ came to earth. And we'll do that under the following theme and points. His name is Jesus. We'll see, first of all, by the proclamation of heaven. And second, that God might be with us. You'll have noticed that it is by the proclamation of heaven that this boy was to be named Jesus. And there's two things that I want to look at in particular today as we look at this passage. What the words of the angel that Joseph, uh, the angel meant for Joseph himself and what they also mean for us today. Young men, imagine for a moment that you were betrothed to a woman. To be betrothed is a little like being engaged today, although it was a lot more binding And you refer to each other as husband and wife already in that time. It actually required a divorce if you planned to break it off. So keeping that in mind, imagine if you were betrothed to a young woman, but one day you find out that she's expecting. It would be a shock, wouldn't it? At this point, Joseph would have been told by Mary that the child was conceived miraculously. But you have to remember that in Joseph's day, the idea of a virgin birth would have been just as incredible to the Jews in Israel as it is in our world today. Oh, how that announcement would have sent Joseph reeling. And yet the way he responds to the news shows he loved Mary. His betrothed is found to be expecting a child, and according to certain Jewish customs, not all, but according to certain Jewish customs, the husband would not just be allowed, but he would be required to divorce his wife. And there were two possible ways that this could happen. The one was to make a public example of her and to bring shame down on her and her house. And the other was to do it quietly. First, Mary could have undergone the very public and humiliating trial that women who were suspected to be unfaithful were subjected to before the leaders of the people. And you can find a description of that in Numbers 5. Some husbands, 
and betrothed young men in their rage and grief would not have listened to Mary's explanations, nor would they have hesitated to take this very public path towards divorce. And they would have every right to if it was truly adultery. Adultery greatly grieved God, and it was a very serious sin. But God had made sure to choose the future husband of Mary very carefully, not being prone to great anger and still deeply loving her. He chose a different path. The second way that he could divorce was quietly. In Deuteronomy 24, verse 1, we find an example of this. In the case of one who is married, or in this case betrothed, in the presence of two or three witnesses, you could divorce. And this is the path which Joseph made up his mind to take, because he was a just man, our passage says. Now some have made the argument that Joseph was indeed completely persuaded by Mary that her child was from the Holy Spirit. And they argued that he would, wanted to divorce her because he didn't see how he could be her husband if she was the mother of the Messiah. Because of this, the, the divorce was meant to quietly remove himself from the life of a woman whom God had chosen to be the one whom he would bring, through whom he would bring the Savior of Israel. Now, this is possible but the text doesn't seem to firmly come down on that. So we don't know for certain what was going through Joseph's mind at this point in time. What we do know is that Joseph himself did not know with absolute certainty that this child was divine, had a divine origin until immediately after he had made up his mind to divorce her already. Mary had likely told him of the circumstances around her pregnancy, that she was with child by the power of the Holy Spirit. By knowing that, he refused to divorce her publicly because he was a just man. It seems possibly that although he was not completely persuaded, it did put doubt in his mind. Only if you were completely persuaded of your spouse's unfaithfulness would a public trial to make a public example of that spouse be necessary. But if, you were, if there was any such doubt in your mind, such a trial would have been unjust. Whatever the reasoning for his final decision was, whether it was because of the fact that he suspected Mary, or whether it was because of the fact that he felt that this was something that was so great that he needed to withdraw himself from her life, Whatever the reasoning was, it was the decree of heaven that set Joseph free. This man who was seen as just, who was seen as righteous, felt like he was bound to a course of action that he could not change. He cared for Mary, but what could he do? He did not know, but it was God who set him free. And God did this through a dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. What a relief this would have been for Joseph. 
He had finally settled his mind on one course of action, even though it likely would have grieved him to no end. But God himself had given him a new course of action. Any barrier caused by doubt or any hesitation to interfere in God's plan or any other reason was taken away from him. There was no other way that he could have been freed from this heavy burden that he had to bear except through this proclamation of hope from heaven. And God gave it to him. And in this same proclamation, he learned something even more incredible. He learned that it was not just he himself that would be set free. Through this son, God would set free the world. He went on to say, she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus was his name, meaning the Lord saves, for he would save his people. The freedom that Joseph had experienced in being given this new course of action, in being given this new life, really, a new life moving ahead with Mary. That was small. That was almost insignificant in light of what was being given here through Jesus Christ. Imagine the joy and relief that would have flooded him and knowing from the mouth of God's heavenly messenger who this child was. But even more, the awe that would have accompanied that. This child would be the Messiah. This child was without a doubt the one who was prophesied about throughout the millennia leading up to his birth. And what was particularly special about the birth and naming of the child was what he would accomplish. And this brings us to our second point, that God might be with us. Matthew, when writing this gospel, he immediately draws the connection of, between the name of Jesus and of what this would mean for the people of God. He will be called Jesus, he writes. The name Jesus has power, Matthew says. It's not just any other name. The fact that this name was chosen for the Messiah the Son of God who was to come into the world had deep significance. And that significance is connected to that phrase, he will save his people from their sins. Now it's worthwhile to note what viewpoint Matthew's writing from for a moment here. His gospel is aimed at Jews. It's aimed at Jews to show them how the Messiah would save them from their sins in fulfillment of of Old Testament prophecy in particular. And you can see that throughout the Gospel of Matthew, he refers again and again to the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Jesus was the one whom God had said would save this nation of Israel that he had chosen for himself out of all the nations on the earth. But knowing that, it doesn't mean that this is meaningless for us. Although this letter was aimed at a Jewish audience, it still carries great weight for us. We read in Galatians 3, verse 29, how anyone who believes in Christ is considered to be a descendant of Abraham and is therefore also an heir to the promises that God pours out through Abraham, who was the main forefather that most of the Jews look back in their history, 
Through him, it was promised that all nations would be blessed. And here in the birth of Jesus Christ, that becomes a reality. If you believe in Jesus Christ, then you are an heir to that very same promise, being part of the people of God, whom God will save from their sins. But all that being said, that background on the Gospel of Matthew, what is it that makes the choice of Jesus as the name for the Messiah so significant? The Gospel writer Matthew says it is because he will save his people from all their sins. And the consequence of being saved from their sins comes with the second name that Jesus is given, Emmanuel. Emmanuel is a Hebrew word meaning God with us. And it's Emmanuel that Matthew gives as both a description of who Jesus was and what he accomplished. For the Jews who were on the receiving end of the Gospel of Matthew, they would have a pretty good idea of what was meant by this naming of Jesus as Emmanuel. And the reason for this was the fact that this was not the first time that God had made his presence known among the people. God making his presence known among his people and dwelling with them in a special way was something that already stretched all the way back in Israelite history to the creation of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a tent of worship built for the Israelites during their wandering in the desert, and it was to be a visible symbol of the fact that God was dwelling among them. As they moved on in history, they settled in the nation of Israel, and Jerusalem became their capital. Then the temple was built in Jerusalem, and the temple for them was, once again, the reminder that God was dwelling with them. When the tabernacle was built, God had filled it with a cloud and with the brightness of his glory to let the people know that he was here. And later, when Solomon consecrated the temple, God filled that with a cloud and with the brightness of his glory, saying, he is here. He wanted to let his people know that he was dwelling among them in a special way. But, Israel had wandered from God. Israel became unfaithful. As Israel left God behind, rejecting him for foreign gods and the pursuit of their own priorities, God also symbolically left his people. And this point would have been very clear to the people of Israel. In Ezekiel, the prophecy of Ezekiel, in chapter 10, we read how the glory of the Lord left the temple. Once again, they saw the brilliance of God's radiance and closed in a cloud in the temple. But this time they saw it leaving. And then we read in the passages that follow of how God's temple in Israel was destroyed. And then came Malachi. Malachi, the last of the Old Testament prophets of the Lord, spoke to the people of Israel, calling them to repentance, calling them to take heed because the Lord would suddenly come to his temple. God would return, he promised. And then Israel settled in to wait. For 400 years they waited. 400 years of silence. 
400 years with no prophecies and no new revelation. That's even more than twice as long as the nation of Canada itself has been around. And then comes the gospel message from the angel in the gospel of Matthew. His name will be Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. No longer would God live among his people in a tabernacle or a tent, but God fulfilled the prophecy of Malachi much more gloriously than they could have ever imagined. He came in the flesh. No longer would they need to come to him through sacrifices because that was what they had experienced in the Old Testament. In the tabernacle, when they came, they had known that the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Same with the temple, they knew that. But they also recognized that there was still a barrier between them and God. When they came to the tabernacle and the temple, again and again they had to have it mediated for them by priests. They themselves couldn't enter into the Holy of Holies and meet with God. They needed it mediated. But now, they had Jesus Christ coming. They could come to God through the one who would bring the ultimate sacrifice for sin. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was the walking and talking proof that God was faithful to his word. He was God dwelling among his people. But not only was Jesus Emmanuel, he also guaranteed the Emmanuel promise. The naming of him by God, both that he would save his people from their sins and that he would be God with us, made certain that this would happen. With Christ's coming into the world, to save his people from their sin by his sacrifice on the cross. That barrier is taken away. That barrier that is between man and God is removed. And so he has assured his people that those who come before him, those who come before him will be saved from their sins. But more than that, they will be able to dwell in the presence of God forever. He was the assurance, the fulfillment of the Emmanuel promise through being the one who came to save his people from their sins. If you believe in him, then you know, you can know that you stand right before God. This isn't just a maybe. This isn't just as long as I keep up to a certain standard. If you truly believe in Jesus Christ, this is a certainty. This is a certainty that's underscored by the words of the Holy Spirit in Hebrews 4 verse 16. It says there, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in the time of need. Through him, God is with us now. And we can look forward to standing in his presence clean and without fear. 
for he came to save his people from their sins. Beloved congregation, you've heard the Christmas story today. You know that Jesus came into the world for a reason. He came to save his people from their sins. Now will you act on that? Put your faith in him. Bear your souls before him as you come to him in prayer. Accept your sins for what they are. Sins, not mistakes. Confess your sins intentionally before him. Repent from them, meaning turn away from them and turn to God. Examine yourself by his word to more and more learn to hate your sin and flee from it. And look to be held accountable by these brothers and sisters sitting all around you today. These brothers and sisters who care about you and want to spend eternity with you. And know as you do all of this that for the sake of Jesus Christ, you can stand before God as forgiven. If you're visiting here today and you don't know Christ and you want to repent and live a changed life in him, you want to know how you can be saved and more, you can speak to me or someone in the congregation who's a member here. And it's my prayer that Whoever you approach will speak to you with this confession. Through Christ, God's given me a way to be right with him. We are unable to reach out to him, and so we can see that this is him reaching out to us first. All you need to do is believe in this humble infant, born to a virgin and laid in a manger. Believe that he came to take your sins on himself and that he now lives and reigns in heaven for your benefit and for mine until he comes again in glory so that we can dwell with him now and forevermore. God with us. Emmanuel. Amen.